This is Unfiltered, episode 105 for July 9th, 2014. This is King 5 News. New at noon, pot is now for sale legally in Seattle. The first wave of licensed retail stores open today, greeted by long lines and much anticipation. King 5's Teresa Ewan is live in downtown Seattle, where the city's first store is just about to open. Any moment now, Teresa. That's right, and some of the organizers have saying it is almost high noon. Take a look. You are listening to Unfilter, episode 105 of Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that's distracting you from all of that TV you shouldn't be watching. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week is Mr. Chase. Reporting live from Seattle. Oh my God, <laughs> I am so high. My name is Wolf Litzer. Chase is not in today. Now, hey, what's going on, Chris? Welcome back, buddy. Good to have you here. Welcome back to you. You had a break. I had a break. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, was it was good. It was good. We had our 4th of July. Yeah. Uh, Cannabis uh, retail sales opened up yesterday here in yep. the state of Washington, yep. and we finally got that big Glenn Greenwald finale. The leak. The big the, the big reveal. Well, finale is, uh, that's questionable, but the big reveal. That's, the big reveal. Yeah. We, so, we, we find that information. We're going to talk about this. Jeez, dude. We got so much to dig into this week. So much stuff. Uh, Can I sh- predict what our first story is going to be? All right, sure. Uh, we can talk about NSA again. How did you... <sighs> did you... I knew it. I knew it. I oh, nailed man. it. You, nailed you it. Are, you must be on a on a uh, new streak, Chase. Uh, at least a 50, 60 <laughs> week streak. So we got... <laughs> there's two real big NSA things and a third kind of... Of tertiary, third tertiary, Chase, right. uh, tertiary. that I want to uh, talk about. The kind of weave, so we're going to just kind of start at the top and work our way through it. Okay. Uh, let's start with uh, in chronological order. And new documents from Edward Snowden has thrown the National Security Agency narrative into a tailspin over its surveillance programs. We now know that the number of people whose personal communications have been intercepted by the NSA far outnumber the foreigners that the agency has legally targeted. A new report in the Washington Post looks at top secret documents that no one knew Snowden had acquired. We knew he had reports about NSA surveillance, but it turns out the former NSA contractor also accessed 22,000 surveillance reports on intercepted conversations collected by the NSA between 2009 and 2012. The Post's four-month investigation into the reports found that the agency had documented instant messages, online videos, emails, and more on over 11,400 unique accounts, but just... 11% of those account holders wore actual NSA targets. The rest were incidentally just caught up in the net. Many of them were Americans. 
Okay, there's a lot of stuff being thrown around here right now, but what she is saying is they have essentially a 9 to 1 ratio. So for every one intended target, there are nine other people on average that they're collecting from. Now, here's the beauty of how the system works. Right. It's using PRISM, which we've talked about before on the yep. show, which we have said on the show before is the true thing that we're concerned about. The phone metadata program was not important. It was trivial. And in the long run, like you know, a decade down the road, it's for a system that will be surpassed by a system that runs over IP. Right. And then PRISM will really matter. PRISM is the upstream collection, right? Yep, it takes everything. So this is using PRISM to take everything. And the way they do this is if there's one target in the Jupiter Broadcasting chat room right now, one person of interest. I know one guy right now. Then they take, full take, everyone that's in that room. So what you're saying is, since you're in the chat room, Chris, just taking you as an example, everybody in there, so from Matthew to Eric... Uh, to Yardape, to everybody, even J-Bot. No, not J-Bot. All right. For, no. Not J-Bot, so no, you mean. Not J-Bot. All right, and even Rakai. Yes, definitely Rakai. Definitely Rakai. Definitely Rakai. <laughs> is everybody's caught up in that net. Yeah. And and here's the other way. Here's one of the other ways it does its selector system is it will look at, oh, was there a foreign language used in an oh. email? Well, Americans don't write emails in foreign language, so therefore they can default to collect. They can then make the <laughs> assumption that it's foreign. If, if you're, I know many people that write in foreign languages. If you My used, wife is one of them. If you used a plugin to watch any World Cup stream, then they will assume if you if they see you connecting to a foreign IP that you are foreign. Wait, wait, they're so, able to so, manipulate so, the system. So if I like use this. a VPN to connect, uh, God forsake, to the BBC to watch Top Gear. Yes, I am now. Yep. Wow. Yep. You're, wow. You're, yeah. In fact. Nearly half of the surveillance files had names or email addresses belonging to Americans. And inside were some of their personal communications. Medical records, resumes, baby photos, risque pictures. Yeah, this is so I want to underscore what this is, is this is a revelation that Snowden grabbed documents that weren't just like the PowerPoint presentations of the systems. He actually captured some of the data they'd collected. So he got raw like he got people's pictures. Uh, they have resumes of. So if you sent out a resume, they would grab that resume and they would Jeez. store. So if you've been if you've emailed any resumes, there's a very good uh, chance that they collected those. Oh well, that's fine because I, I was applying for jobs with them anyway. So yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is it, until until this story in the Washington Post. Snowden had not revealed that he had this data that he had collected actual images, and they have pictures of naked babies in bathtubs. Oh. They have pictures of women in bikinis. And what's interesting is this wow. is you can see where the NSA elected to quote unquote minimize data, like remove a name, and where they yeah. didn't. And where they would elect to minimize is if they collected data about a company, they would minimize that company's name. But if they collect data about a person, so. But wait a minute! I thought we had this whole legal fight where companies right. were people. No, no, no. They're they're more important people. They're people. They're just more important. They people. have more money. Involved. Right. But if you're a regular citizen, they don't take out your name. And even if an analyst looked at your file and said these selfie images of Chase Nunes are actually, they would deem it as irrelevant to an investigation. Right. They don't purge them. They still have them. They have. They're storing all of them. And this is what the Washington Post article talks about. I read the whole thing. It's fascinating. But, Chris, they have to store it because what if they need to go back to it in the future? 
Right. That's exactly why. Yeah. So we, we need to save it forever. Because what they what the analysts what they had they had somebody that was speaking uh, under confidentiality said that uh, wow. we don't know what another analyst might find useful. So if we delete it, we could be harming another analyst's ability to do their analysis. And so the way the Washington Post the Washington Post like hired like ex Navy people and people to come in and really go through this stuff and analyze it from an intelligence standpoint. And they also verified that a lot of the stuff that they had was completely irrelevant wow. to any terrorism investigation. And they estimate there's 900,000 U.S. citizens that are in this database right now where they're collecting information about us. Full take, your entire internet connectivity. All the pictures you upload, all the emails you send, all the documents, all the websites you visit, all of it. So I guess the only answer to this is just go back to a postal system and uh, completely disconnect. Yeah, they do have a lot of porn. Exactly. They really do. Uh, So now, that was the story that came out. Interestingly enough, we thought this was going to be Greenwald's big bombshell. This wasn't Greenwald's. This was the Washington Post guy. I'm blanking on his name right now. He's been around since the beginning. He visited Snowden once. He's been working on this story. He he got he landed this while we were all waiting for Greenwald's big bombshell. <laughs> Greenwald finally right. releases his big bombshell. And what he re- what he says, what he announces, is that he has five U.S. citizens who are Muslim Americans that have been spied on. He has video interviews with them and things like that. But it all kind of ends up falling a little flat. So Shep has him in on the news deck and says, hey, Glenn. What's up? Yeah. A new report indicates the feds have been secretly monitoring the emails of several Muslim Americans, all of whom fiercely deny any connections to terror. In fact, there is no indication that any of these five persons has any connection of any kind to anything like terrorism, period. Stop. According to the journalist Glenn Greenwald, documents from the NSA leaker Ed Snowden show the government kept tabs on the five men anyway, including a former Homeland Security official under former President George W. Bush, and the executive director of the Council on American Islamic Relations, the largest Muslim civil rights organization in our nation. Okay, so that's a summary of who Greenwald revealed was being spied upon. But even then, I, I think it's not, you know, people, oh, they're Muslim, right? They, oh, they're Muslim, so that makes sense. I think some people are... So, so is this a racial profile it, well, situation? I think that's how some people are justifying it. Right. And so uh, I think that has lessened the impact a bit. So it's not getting quite the coverage. But so Shep just kind of asked him, like, why don't you think this is maybe necessarily the bombshell we were all expecting? Right. You were on the program with us, what, a couple of weeks ago, and then this got delayed a little bit. And- do, you remember, do you remember how Greenwald described what it was going to be like? It, he, was, he, it, was, it was one of those situations where he was afraid to reveal, wasn't it? Right, but he equated the release. Like, I want these NSA releases. I want, the, I want it to be a grand finale like fireworks. Remember when he said yeah. it was going to be like fireworks? Like a big deal. Yeah. yeah, this wasn't really fireworks. You were talking bombshells and fireworks and all that. Glenn, to be quite frankly, Frank, in the, today's news cycle, this is being played below President Obama being offered a puff-puff pass in Colorado. <laughs> it is. That's true. <laughs> I mean, was there more and I'm missing it? <laughs> There, there, it's gotten a lot of play. We just posted it last night at midnight. Um, you know, the New York Times has a very long article on it that's being promoted as the top story or the second story. And that's co- see, that's journalism code for if the New York Times writes about it, that greenlights it to all of the liberal and non-liberal outlets that it's right. okay to go with this story. Sometimes some news organizations sit on the fence, but if the Times runs it, that's sort of like the industry-wide green light. I mean, look, I mean, the fact is that there are people who, who look at the, the, the targets and will think, oh, that's only Muslims, and even though they're my fellow Americans, I'm not really bothered by it. I think sometimes that's part of it. But I think the, the, the implications are, are sinking in nicely. Are there more names? Are there more people? Were there some who 
wouldn't cooperate or help me understand the bigger picture. And you can see Shep's like, is, is this it? Were you going to do more? I know you delayed it a few times. Did you have to pull somebody's name? Yeah, we, we, I mean, this is, this is a really hard story to report. I mean, for one thing, we wanted to make sure that anybody that we reported, we were very comfortable that we weren't, you know, blowing a, a legitimate ongoing investigation. And at the same time, a lot of people did not want to be publicly identified as being targets of the FBI or the NSA. For- so did he just say that his reporting would potentially harm a, a legitimate investigation? Yeah. I think so. Did he just admit to that? I think he just did. For fear of the stigma that it would produce. And we wanted to honor people's wishes in that regard and not drag them unwittingly into the public light, especially if they were private individuals. So all of these five were people who were willing to come forward and, and speak out. Um, we felt like they were very illustrative cases. It's illustrative. Five is a manageable number to report. Um, and our investigation into this list is definitely ongoing. It, is this the finale? Is there more we're going to learn from the Snowden documents? Great question. Ask exactly what we're wondering yep, yep. you were consider you call this a finale a fireworks right, show wait, wait. he's not going to get a yes or no answer or or is, no is, is this the he finish won't. no i mean i have whoa he actually said no holy crap <laughs> i didn't <laughs> I, did, I, I didn't call that i thought he was gonna Sorry. say you know yeah. right now the the, the the thing was yeah right now we're, no but you know you think yeah. about it no this is something he wants to be able to continue to of work from for forever. years yeah yeah or or is it is this the finish no, I mean, I have stories that are already written, in fact, that, that still will be published. Other journalists from around the world are, are working up with us on the archive. There's definitely a lot of more big stories um, to come. But for me, this, this fills in a really important part of the picture, which is putting a human face on how we all know that the Obama administration is bulk surveilling all of us. But this puts a human face on the kinds of dangers that can be presented to dissidents uh, or people who criticize the government. From I have the most one invasive- problem with that response. It's not just the Obama administration. It's we we have documents and information that goes before Obama's administration. The uh, that's true. The con- I think the conversation is starting to take a turn because in in both Greenwald's uh, post and the Washington Post post, they talk about how dramatically it's accelerated under Obama. Like right. it, they, it, Obama took what Bush started and like and just ran with it. Oh, I mean it. Like they they show like they 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 have like a, they have like a uh, an example of how like collections just like it just yeah. explode domestically once just, Obama's in office. I, I, I just, just explode. It's, it's not fair to put it all on Obama when it didn't start with Obama. Yeah, he could have shut it down though by now. Yeah, but I mean for for Greenwald just to go out and say well. And I'm, by the way, I'm not saying this to defend Obama in any yeah. way or anything like that, but just to focus on, right. on the Obama administration well, you know, when this started but before. Here's the other here's a counter argument, right? If you sit in there blaming Bush, people would say, "Oh, well, he's an Obama apologist. Oh, he's right. just a Bush yeah. hater." Yeah, so. you're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all evil. I, I think it, it needs to go back to say, you know, this should never have started in the first place. Period. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what it goes back to. Right. And then for any president that continues it, whether it be Obama, Bush, uh, your buddy Hillary, right. you know, any, sure. <laughs> anybody yeah. who goes on forward and yeah. continues these programs and lets it continue, right. then they need to be included in that list. Forms of surveillance. So it's important, but not the last. What, what judge, our Judge Napolitano talks a lot about how surprised he is that we keep getting these revelations that the government is doing this, that, and the other thing that are extra constitutional. And yet people aren't jumping up and down screaming about it. And I I wonder if you have thoughts on that. 
Well, hopefully, you know, one of the things that the government has succeeded in doing, a lot of people have tried to sue the government and to claim that this spying is unconstitutional, that it violates our Fourth Amendment rights. And the government has succeeded in getting all of those cases thrown out on the grounds that nobody can prove with certainty that they were subjected to the spying because it's all secret and therefore they don't have standing to sue. So one of the things the story will do is now let people, specific surveillance targets, go into court and say they were subjected to it and get a ruling about whether or not this really is consistent with our Fourth Amendment rights. And I think that'll help public perception. Um, and I do think that people... Are they going to, though? I mean, well, that's the thing. It, we've, we've heard about from them. We've They've talked about it. Yeah. Are they? Isn't it just these five guys? And are they going to do anything? Right. Probably not. So it doesn't really... I mean, he, he makes it sound like it changes it for everybody. But I, it only changes if they actually fight and do something. Yeah, have been very interested in the Snowden revelations, um, yeah. which is why a year later we're we're still talking about it. Right, you are. I, Glenn Greenwald with us from Brazil. Brazil, by the way, after the Blitzkrieg yesterday, how are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> Things aren't too joyful here, Shep. They're still. Oh, I had to cut that off for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So okay, here's here's what I do want to say. Yeah. Uh, in conjunction, the Washington Post and the Intercept stories have done something that I think, big picture wise, is really important. Break it down. They have once again changed the conversation about the NSA spying from metadata to actual collection of our personal information via the internet. Yes. And the thing is, is that was a win for the uh, Diane Feinsteins and, and Mike Rogers and Obamas out there when they changed the conversation to metadata. They got everybody talking about metadata. We passed laws about metadata and PRISM and 702. They continue right along their merry way. This, this gets us talking about PRISM again. Yes, and that's a very, very, very good thing. Very good thing. Uh, there's also something else that's kind of interesting. We talked about a story on the Linux Action Show where uh, if you search for Tails, a, uh, a secure Linux distribution or TrueCrypt, or were a Boing Boing or Linux Journal reader, you were added to a monitoring list. So, you know, 90% of the Jupiter Broadcasting audience. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, there is some question about the legitimacy of that story now, but something else that is extremely interesting is Cory Doctorow and Bruce Schneier, both very well respected in this area, and I think possibly Jacob Applebaum, and now Glenn Greenwald, are all suggesting that this latest round of leaks regarding how the NSA collects for people going and searching for Tails or Linux Journal did not come from Edward Snowden, but a new, brand new leaker. Brand new leaker. Whoa. So Shep asks... From his iPad. Shep, right, from his huge touchpad, asked Greenwald about that. I, the answer is meh, meh, but I want to get it on the record. All right. Uh, Glenn, you suggested there, there in a, a Wired oh, magazine sorry, interview is, uh, that there might be a second NSA Stafford. leaker out there in addition to Snowden. I'm, I'm wondering, ha- has Snowden confirmed that? It's not that it's confirmed. It's just that there have been stories uh, published by other media outlets about NSA using NSA documents that very notably didn't indicate that Edward Snowden was Snowden was their source for the documents, um, leading, I think, to the reasonable suspicion that there's another source or sources providing documents to media outlets. The other thing that's interesting about the latest release is that it was the XML files of the actual search selectors that XKeyscore uses, which oh. we have never gotten that kind of information from Snowden before. It's also possible it's a bogus story. It's also possible it could be used to delegitimize Greenwald and say, look, now they no longer have control over their own documents. So that could be a bad thing, too. Uh, I want to uh, just uh, go back to the post. I want to play this clip a little bit because I want to talk about one more aspect of this story. 
Why does the NSA need your selfie or pictures of your kids? Turns out the Washington Post found out the NSA is collecting far more Internet data from regular users like you and me than the supposed foreign targets. According to that report, the Washington Post reviewed about 160,000 intercepted emails and instant message conversations. Roughly 9 out of 10 users were not direct targets of the surveillance program. Many of the files described as useless by analysts. So why are they holding on to private details from ordinary people's lives? Of course, the documents provided by Ed Snowden from 2009 to 2012. I have a theory. What's your theory? I think this is uh, now. I got to warn you. This is just my wild now conspiracy this, bacon theory. Bacon. This came from Hope, British Columbia. Beautiful country and awesome bacon. I uh, I wonder if they're not building a ginormous facial recognition database and they just need as many faces as possible. Couldn't they just call up Facebook? Well, I'm sure they scrape every public social site they can, but don't they need it all? Wouldn't that be enough? <laughs> I don't know. See, like this, it seems like you could verify identity doing it by, by having multiple sources and right, whatnot. Right. So you could say, okay, well, we collected this picture of Chase from his Instagram feed, from his Facebook account, and from an email that he sent his wife. So we're, we're positive I that mean, these are legitimately Chase's the, face. The funny thing is they can already kind of pull that information already if you're putting that stuff out in the in the public, right? Yeah, that's well, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm so. I'm just trying to figure out why would they why would they store pictures, let's say, of my kids in the bathtub? Why do they? Because that like uh, there's a lot of pictures like that, or there's pictures of well, they're of uh, guys kids. like flexing in the mirror. They have pictures of guys like checking yeah. themselves out and like flexing. They have pictures of uh, chicks in front of church taking a selfie. Chicks on the beach in a bikini. It's it's babies be- getting kissed by their mom. Why do they have these pictures? It, it's it's uh, for the Department of Pre Crime. Could it be? Could it be where in the future maybe they're hoping, and gosh, I don't want to live in that world, but what if they are, you you do accidentally break a law or you know something you broke a law you didn't know about or whatever, and then all of a sudden they are able to put you through a system and scrub and find all the information they need to know about you. Uh, and like a Google it, Analytics kind of like right. uh, like it's kind of think of it this way like I I just by the way you know shocker I got a new job everybody hey uh, I new started job. I started a new job on Monday and I my employer my new employer did a thorough background check on me uh, did he make you uh, did he cup and make you turn your head and cough I, I did twice. I didn't know I was supposed to do it twice, but that's okay. Uh, but <laughs> but it's one of those things where the government maybe they're. They're doing the kind of same th- kind of thing. I know? would I would like to hear the audience's theories. Leave us a uh, comment at the unfiltered subreddit. We'll have a feedback thread for 105, yeah. unfiltered.reddit.com. Why do you guys think, why would they want all these pictures? Maybe. Like, really, like, you don't have to be crazy conspiracy about it. You can if you want to be, but there is there a legitimate technical reason? Because think about the storage, the and, and all, obviously they're breaking the law to do it, uh, or they're bending it uh, incredibly. Like, what's the what's the advantage to it? I'd like to hear their thoughts on it. Yeah. Uh, I want to shift gears and talk about Germany. I, I, I talked a little bit about this in the pre-show. I've made an error. There's been a lot of Germany stories recently that I haven't, uh, I haven't included in the show. They just, I didn't, it just, not my area of strength. And I just thought I wasn't sure if I wanted to include them. Turns out maybe I should have. There's something going on with Germany. We obviously know about the monitoring of Angela Merkel's cell phone and uh, some of their top officials in the government and that the, uh, contract between Verizon and Germany was recently canceled over the NSA revelations. Well, now it turns out that uh, not one, but two of 
our spies have been revealed in the German government. We had flipped their agents to have them work for us. Here's a story about one of them. Whoa. Germany is again having to deal with revelations that the U.S. has been spying on it. A German intelligence agent was allegedly sending hundreds of top secret documents straight to Washington. RT's Peter Oliver takes up the story. Well, it was all smiles and handshakes at the G7 last month, but flash forward to today, and, well, there's another spying scandal involving the US operations here in Germany. This time, well, it involves a German security service employee who's been arrested and is accused of being a double agent and have uh, been supplying documents to... Um, to the United States. Now, the reaction that we've seen from the German side has been, um, well, they've, they've said they're furious. We've uh, heard from Angela Merkel saying that she's surprised and stunned by the um, claims and the arrest of this uh, security service employee. Uh, the, the president of Germany, Mr Gauck, has said that enough is enough, that if this turns out to be true, well, it has to be the end. But we've, we've seen this before. We've heard these type of words before and we haven't seen anything really done about it. Uh, all of what's come out following Edward Snowden's revelations has shown that not only is Germany one of the most spied-on nations by the NSA, also that Chancellor Angela Merkel's private cell phone had been hacked by um, US security services, and now it seems that they had a double agent within the German security services itself. So that was earlier this week. Now, uh, today, uh, well, Germany's Wednesday, I don't know when that was, Uh, they announced they have found uh, somebody else. They're actually on the hunt for him right now. This was according to a paper and an independent source in Germany, uh, they reported that an investigation is underway and they considered to be more serious than the previous investigation that began earlier, or I guess late last week. Um, and in both cases, Chase, yeah. they suspect your buddies My at friend. the CIA. Oh. A U.S. official tells us that the CIA was involved in recruiting a German intelligence officer for the purpose of spying on the German government. This was not a rogue operation, but an authorized effort to learn more about the inner workings of the German government. The Obama administration, we are told, will in the near future announce that it is investigating the matter. And officials can see the German Chancellor Angela Merkel, already angered by the U.S. tapping of her cell phone, will want and will likely receive an explanation. As one official told us, Scott, this will require some smoothing over. (laughs) Now, here's what's great about this. Uh, This bombshell dropped... Right as Angela Merkel is visiting China's president. So she's over in China. All right. She's hanging out in Beijing. They're probably talking about their mutual buddy, Putin. Yep. And then this bombshell drops that they've just flipped two double agents in the Germany government <laughs> while she's over there. Right. And she has to make a public statement about it standing next to the Chinese president. They ask her, all right. Tell us what you think. That could not be politically more bad for us than possible. She's already, so when she's, like, she hangs out with Putin, right? Putin speaks German. She speaks Russian. They chat with each other. They have some economic incentives to work together. She has economic incentives to work with China. China wants to work with Russia. And we just dropped this bombshell. Also, at the same time, keep in mind that a lot of Snowden's uh, people around him, like the supporters and a lot of the the WikiLeaks people, are working out of Germany. Jacob Applebaum's over in Germany. Like, a lot of these these activists and whatnot are in Germany. Why that? Then 
why the hell are we doing this? This What's is the- all connected. Somehow, all of all of the Snowden, the Russia, the China stuff, know, but, it's all connected but why, with Germany. Why would you think, I mean, if you're, you're the United States, you're in the 21st century, and you know we all know that this is a world economy, and the way things work, and how, how we're all interconnected, why in the hell would we want to destroy a relationship and do this kind of thing? Uh, I think it's I think it's more about uh, they need us more than we need them, or we think or hope. And you know, it's like when you're the big dick, as long as you still are the big dick, you got to swing that thing around. And once you get old and decrepit, then you know you got to play by those rules. But as long as you still yeah, but, are the boss but, in the playground, but there's it, there's got to be an, an end game here because of the fact that I mean. The end game is is Germany shut up and help us encirculate Russia, encircle Russia, shut up, Germany. That's that's the end game is to push them, to pressure them. Because really, the rest. What if of, they say no? What if they just say, you know what? No, no, no. We don't. We don't want to participate in in this thing. Well, I, I think they're trying to make the cost of doing that too high right now. Wow. Maybe, and it wow. seems to me like the U.S. is pretty damn desperate. Now, uh, the timing of this is next story is pretty interesting since. Did you know that Snowden's asylum is running out yeah, at the end just, of this month? Yeah, he just recently he reappeared. Did. Yeah. So this next story is interesting in that light. All right, well, Russian authorities have reacted with anger over the detainment of the son of a Russian member of parliament. The man was detained by U.S. agents in the Maldives on suspicion that he had been hacking computer systems to steal the credit card details of thousands of Americans. RT's Gaine Chichakyan has more. The U.S. Secret Service has captured a Russian citizen in the Maldives and shipped him to a U.S. base in Guam, where he was formally arrested. Now, the U.S. Justice Department did not elaborate on the circumstances of Mr. Selesnyov's arrest. Neither have U.S. officials notified Russian authorities about the grounds on which this 30-year-old man was snatched in the Maldives and sent to the Guam overnight. Moscow qualifies Selesnyov's detention as kidnapping. Selesnyov's father, who happens to be a Russian State Duma deputy, a lawmaker, thinks it might be a scheme to trade his son for Edward Snowden. <laughs> Hacker, they arrest no, him. No, no. And it's not like we're being secretive about it. We released a press announce, no, press release yeah. saying the Secret Service has picked this guy up. And if up. he's been formally charged and he's going to go through a formal process. Yeah. If he did uh, it, he did it, right? Right. Uh, bad timing. What <laughs> if? <laughs> Terrible timing. What if it comes out, oh my gosh, I got a Red Book prediction. Wait, we haven't had one of these. No, I know, I know. I just realized. I mean, the last one so, was what Hillary winning or something like. No, that. dude, that was that was a <laughs> no, long time ago. I'm just kidding. I'm uh, just kidding. No, uh, you know how um, we've seen a lot of what's okay. There's there's something that's changed recently that we haven't talked about. It used to be a staple of our show towards the beginning, and it was the FBI assisting with these terrorism plots where they were like... Oh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, where, where they would... Uh, there was like one every few weeks that well, we there, were covering. There was one that actually happened in Spokane where they uh, up where they had a bomb, but it was a, a bogus bomb. Right. They let him go through the, the right. process and everything. And there yeah. was the Federal Reserve one yep. that we... I mean, yeah. there was... There's, yeah, we had one like once every couple of weeks. Yeah, and we, have, like we haven't had one in a long time. What if... Oh, I... I <laughs> Go ahead. Should I should I fry a little bacon or uh, man? Yeah, okay. I love bacon. This bacon actually comes from down the street at Carl's Jr. They had some good stuff. Go ahead. What if right, too bad, Carl's they've Jr. shifted from the physical terrorism assistance to the cyber stuff, where they're kind of doing the same thing, where they're supplying people with the connections and the information and the targets? Are you saying they set him up? 
well, maybe they're maybe this is yeah. going to be what they do now because oh it, my God. it gins up fear about cyber terrorism. It keeps them going, you know. And I'm not wow. trying to be really super yeah. conspiratorial. Yeah. What they do is they try to find people who would be inclined to do this. They're and they vulnerable. Can sort of, I mean, with the bombers, right? They supply them with the bomb material. They supply them with the hotel. They supply them with the cell phone. They supply them literally with the transportation to the place. This is all factual. So why couldn't they do that with cyber terrorism? I, you know, I could see this. You know, this this Russian MP's son. Okay. Uh, you know, obviously, he's a son of a Russian MP. He's probably bored, alone, and wants dad to pay attention to him. <laughs> and he starts doing some illegal activity. And he gets caught. And now he could be a political pawn. I mean, if you think about it, like if 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 this is a uh, if this is a Russian official in the government, then maybe we are watching his family members that are in the U.S. by default because yeah. he's a person of interest. Yeah. So the FBI's got tabs on him because he's on that list to begin with. It doesn't seem like it's that hard to get on that list. And so the FBI can monitor him. They can start seeing who he's talking to. They can start supplying him with the yeah. connections, the hookups. And then when they need to pull the trigger, they pull the trigger. And it just happens to be in the month that Edward Snowden's asylum is up. I really think, though, that is unrelated. I, I think the arrest and the the renewal of Snowden's asylum, these situations coincidental in the timing department, I don't think one is in relation to the You're other. You're probably right. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting idea. I mean, it's if a I thought was Russia, experiment. I mean, if I was Russia, RT today, you know, I would be like, oh, yeah, this this is the U.S. Look what the U.S. is doing because of the whole Snowden situation. They're trying to set up a trade or what, you know, I that's what you would propagate. But I really don't think they're the who, yeah, I, I just like it as a thought experiment. It's something I it's put in crazy. the red book is maybe we'll see eventually the FBI was in somehow aiding these potential Oof, cyber terrorists. It's a good one. Uh, Very good. Because you have to stay vigilant. Yeah, of because course. Because it doesn't matter where you're at. You could be in Washington State or the hotbed of terrorism, Colorado. Ooh. A Colorado teen is in jail tonight accused of assisting the terrorist group ISIS. Investigators busted 19-year-old Shannon Conley at the Denver International Airport. They say she was trying to head to Turkey, where she planned to meet an active member of al-Qaeda and ISIS. She became engaged to a 32-year-old man after meeting him online. And and now remember, everybody, uh, women do not have the ability to be their own person once they're married. So if the person that she married was an extremist, by default, she has to become an extremist because, according to this news presenter, she's a woman. Described herself as a Muslim convert interested in guerrilla warfare. Investigators say Conley actually joined the U.S. Army last year to learn more about military tactics and firearms so she could wage a holy war on America. Whoa. When she first showed up... Now, this is her pastor, so keep this... I love this. Up, it, it became obvious that she stood out, just from the apparel that she was wearing. You know, we're really accepting of her. She was carrying a backpack. And Which is always... That's a bad sign. Was, I have a was backpack. It, was so it a camo backpack? Watch out for me. And she had a notebook pad out. <gasps> oh, dude. Whoa. Hold on, though. Was she taking notes, though? Taking notes. Oh, my oh, God! No. At different places, so... Oh, Notes. Wait, she was that, killing trees, Chris. She was killing trees. She could use a tablet. It's like she was thinking about stuff and then writing it down. I think she might have been thinking critically too. That alerts us right away. She became <laughs> more, a little bit more hostile. Then eventually we came here and said, "Listen, it's just probably better that you not come back." So they kick her out. So the All church right. kicks her out. <laughs> stop! Stop for a minute. Let's say you're the member of the church. Hey, okay, you're Chris. taking notes. You're out of here. What, what are you doing over there? <laughs> Well, I just gave a sermon. You're you're taking notes? How dare you question my word of God? You're out! 
Conley now faces charges of terrorism. <laughs> what did she do exactly? Like, what did she do? Uh, she she did the the Muslim thing. I guess. <laughs> so that's she's something. a she's a Muslim convert. Therefore, she is evil. Hey Chase, whatever big... happened to due process? I'm sorry. What happened to due process in this country? I don't know. How are man. you guilty in the eyes of the media? Oh, she, Chase, she's just been charged. No, Chase, she hasn't gone through anything. She's guilty. They just can't tell you why. That's national security. <laughs> but just trust us, okay? Just oh, wait, wait. Us. We just got to report uh, from PRISM uh, the right. information that, yeah. We, hey, uh, Chase, now I wanted to make a proposition yeah. to the audience before we get into the historic be week care- we had be, here in be Washington. careful proposition. This is not potato salad, but we could use your support over at patreon.com slash unfilter. We yep. have an audience-funded show right here, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. We say the things we say. We go off in crazy bacon land when we want to because we don't have anybody to report to except for you. Yes. So please, help this show keep going and give us an indication that you're enthusiastic about the amount of work we put into the show. It takes a ton of production work to do even one episode of Unfilter. I mean, it takes... One minute of clips is, is probably representative of 20, 30 minutes of work, really. Yeah. So think about how much work goes into this. Think about how much value we're, you're getting from this show. And if you appreciate the work, over to patreon.com slash unfilter. Once you do that, you get access to all of the bonus stuff the supporters get, the extended supporter show that goes into a lot more details about some of the things we talked about in today's episode. Uh, you also get the BitTorrent sync with all the source files, the newsletter, clips, all that goodies. And by the way, Limited opportunity here down in the pledge levels. We have three spots that opened up as the month turned over for the swag club. Good time to get into the swag pledge level if you want the automatic swag. That pledge level means that every so often when we, we're going to send out swag to our unfiltered 33, 33 supporters. That's a per month charge. And from time to time, we're going to send you some swag. And we're just about to enter the planning phase for the next swag item. We got three slots that opened up over at patreon.com slash unfilter. Any amount you can afford is appreciated. We have a recommended $5 a month. That's $5 per month for many, 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 many hours of content. Well, the thing is, you not only get this show that you're listening to right now, but you also get that supporter show that we talked about. We, You also get the back catalog of content with all the clips, which is really cool, which is a bit torrent sync mm-hmm. where you can say you know what i want to hear that clip that they guys talked about a couple of episodes ago you have access to all of that or hey those guys said something right when i wanted to hear what they had to say you can download it through the sync or yeah. uh we have the overtime folder a lot of a lot of times additional interviews and uh, sometimes when you hear us say something on air and you're like wait where did they get that well sometimes it's in that overtime folder in an interview or in an additional coverage that didn't make sense time-wise or the, the audio wasn't good enough to go in the show, but it's in the overtime folder and you get additional information. So there. instead of supporting a Kickstarter about potato salad, yep. consider an actual show that can make a difference. Boom! And you can also be a part of that community. The cool thing about the Patreon, by the way, is people have responded. They've posted their pictures of their unfiltered 100 shirts, which, cool? is, which has been awesome and great. Yeah, that community is like the bat phone. Yeah, it is the bat phone. Yeah, that's like you go once you're a patron, you get access to the uh, patron activity area, and then it's like that's the bat line. Yep, yep, and we you get to see all the responses and everything. And as Chris says, you know, whatever you can do to support the community, even if you can't support the five dollars a month, you can submit to our subreddit. You can. Give us content via that method and just share the show with people, get it out there. And that's why we do the news that you shouldn't really be talking about. Yeah, very well. And uh, I really like to think of this show as, hey, you want to watch the World Cup? You want to watch Game of Thrones? You want to listen to technology podcasts? You go have a good time because trust me, it's way better for your mental health that you do those things. (sighs) 
we'll sit here. We'll go through all of the all the muck, all the junk, and then yep. once a week we'll give you a concentrated dose of the stuff you need to know about. That lets you t- spend your time a lot more wisely, my friend. I think that's valuable and, right there. And here's the best part. If we get enough of you guys out there, just think about it this way. If we got a whole bunch of you even throwing a dollar a month, a dollar a month, we could probably get to that uh, that next goal. Oh, but which we would do two ooh, unfiltered shows a week ooh, ooh. because obviously we could, the man. news cycle, yeah. as much as we love to hate it, doesn't do everything in one day. Right. We've had many instances yeah. where we do a show and then all of a sudden, right after the show's over, the biggest interview of the world is happening or something along right. those lines. So, yeah, sure. if you guys love what we do and you support what we do, consider becoming a Patreon. Today. Thank you, guys. Patreon.com slash unfilter. And thanks to all of our patrons over there. You guys are really... you. Get, we're, we would not be on there without you. No, it's... it's Underscore it, that literally right it's there. It's that simple because the kind of show that we do, obviously cannot be supported by sponsor. It has to be supported by you guys. I wouldn't even want stuff. to. I just wouldn't even want to ask it, it the sponsor wouldn't, it to wouldn't, that. It wouldn't work. No. It just wouldn't work. So let's talk about our big week here in Washington. The legal cannabis stores opened up their doors. And uh, I want to kind of start from the outside, the big buildup, then we'll work our way to the day. And yeah. then now we'll talk about what's going to happen next. You know, Washington State is trying something new today. Pot shops opening for business this morning, two years after the sale of marijuana was legalized in that state. And ABC's Neil Karlinski is inside one of those stores in Seattle. Good morning, Neil. George, good morning. This store is called Cannabis City, and later today this will be the first place in Seattle to legally sell marijuana. Stores can open for the first time in history at 8 a.m., though to quote the owner here, they will open today at high noon. George? Oh, you knew that was coming. Oh, get ready for that, everybody. There's going to be plenty of pot puns in these clips. Uh, So then, of course, CNN has to have their coverage. That was ABC. Here's CNN's take of the morning of. Everybody's morning shows are on the air before the pot shops open up because a lot of them are recording on the East Coast. At this very minute in Washington State, legal marijuana shops have just opened for business for the very first time. Of course, several states do allow uh, medical marijuana, but in Colorado and as of today, Washington State, you can buy it just for fun. So this is an interesting way we did it. Some stores opened up at 8 a.m. Some stores decided to open up later in the day. Let's be clear. There are rules. You can only buy up to one ounce of marijuana at a time. No touching. You cannot handle or sample the pot before buying. You are also banned from opening or package of marijuana before you leave the store. And finally, let me stress, you have to be at least 21 to buy. Today's sales are expected to be gangbusters. All right. So there's the rules of the game. All pretty standard rules. You got to be 21. Uh, so So we had this staged opening. But all of the news reporters really focused mostly on Seattle. One store was opening up in Seattle. Because Only one in the city. Our state. Our state. Well, all right, to be fair for a moment. Oh, I was going to get into that in a minute. I know. I was, well, go ahead. Go right, ahead. I, I, say, I got a spot to get into the state stuff. Well, you can get, you can get well, in there. Well, what I was going to say, just to be fair, Colorado has had a regulated marijuana industry for yeah. a lot longer. The yeah. way that our structure was set up in the state yeah. of Washington yeah. was much different. Yep. And for people to say, well, Colorado, well, they, they got it done because, look, they just got up and going and well, ran. Well, no, I, I think it's I think there's because there's there's been some serious mistakes. Like they wouldn't allow the growers to start growing until March, which That's means true. that the, the, it's just not ready in time. Yeah, like yeah. that was a big mistake. And they, there's a lot of there's yeah. a lot of steps that. They made mistakes along the way, and the reason why that's a big deal is because it, re- it reduces inventory, and when the inventory is low, they raise the prices way, way up, which we're going to get into here in a second, and then, of course, that fuels the black market. Yeah. However, uh, things start out at a positive note. Here's our local Como affiliate, your buddies over at Como, oh, Como. covering the big opening day. The big week. Working for you. 
Yeah. Como 4 News starts right now. $26.50. Now that's two grams of OG Pearl Kush, uh, including tax. With that, recreational marijuana is legal in the state of Washington. Woo! The first marijuana store opened its doors in Bellingham three hours ago. Whoa, yeah, so there you go. And uh, By the way, a store uh, slated to be opening right down the road from us. Yeah, yeah. At Smoky Point. Uh, but right but now, it, nobody else is really opening the doors cause, because of this sort of mishandling yeah. and the in, you know, inadequate adequate infrastructure, there's been major shortages. But those with high hopes of scoring a cheap hit could soon be in for a buzzkill. The 25 approved shops statewide are supplied by only about a dozen licensed growers. Demand during the first few days could send prices soaring as much as $25 per gram, three times higher than on the black market. The top shelf store in Bellingham has just 19 pounds of marijuana on hand. If there's 200 people in line, we probably won't limit the product. If we look outside and there's 1,000 people in line, we're going to limit it probably to two or three grams per person. Some estimates suggest the state could generate as much as $2 billion in tax revenue during the first five years of marijuana sales. But puffing up in public remains illegal in the state, and marijuana edibles are not yet available. Yeah, so we're going to get back to the edibles thing here in a yeah. second, because uh, I feel like uh, there's a few tactical errors that are happening at the same time. That $2 billion estimate, not only should it be low, but I think we're going to fail. It should be a low estimate. I think we're going to fail to reach it. Uh, and NBC uncovers some more of the problems. This, this made the nightly news with Brian Williams. Oh, Brian. Tonight, smoking weed and selling it there is now legal, but not everything went smoothly on this day one. And there are now fears, if you can believe it, of a shortage. We get our report tonight from NBC's Joe Fryer in Seattle. Oh, Joe. 20 months after Washington voters approved recreational marijuana, the wait is over. At Cannabis City in Seattle, a 65-year-old grandmother defied stereotypes. This could not have gone better for the legalized cannabis movement in that. Seattle. This, yeah. You saw this gal. I did. She's uh, she she runs marathons or whatever. She's like a retired teacher or something like She's that. She's freaking cool. She's intelligent. She was well spoken. She was confident, and she was the first person in line. She camped out for over twenty yeah. hours. To yeah, be there. and uh, she just told it like it was every time she was interviewed. You know, it wasn't some like uh, you know hippie looking dude who's all strung out with dreads. It was. It was like it was, it was just the most perfect like average American uh, middle aged lady who was just like you know I've lived a good life and I'm just I'm old enough to just say how it is and she was great. Deb Green was first in line. It's very liberating. You, you, I never thought I'd see this in my lifetime ever. Which one do you want? Do you want across the state? Only about half a dozen stores open today. Many others aren't ready for business yet. One issue: a pot shortage. I don't think it's a matter of choice. For many of them, they would much rather open when they know that they can have product in the, on their shelves every day. Fewer than 100 businesses are licensed to grow. Many others are waiting. This is all medical Alex marijuana. Cooley owns Solstice, a medical marijuana company that plans to produce recreational pot, but first they must create totally new facilities. There's definitely that excitement, but at the end of the day, we land on coming in properly, not quickly. I'd rather do it right as opposed to do it fast. With long lines and short supplies, stores expect to sell out quickly and prices will be higher. But as more growers join the market, those prices should drop. For now, what you won't see in Washington is the huge array of edible products found in Colorado. The state's strengthening regulations for testing and packaging edibles. 
Uh, so let's talk about the edibles thing. Yeah. And, and then I want to talk about one other thing, too, that crossed my mind is it's so funny how they talk about a shortage. Because, like, what we're all pretending like is that the only pot plants in Washington that exist are the ones that the state has blessed. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, there's not other huge grow, grow ops that happen in Washington. Like, there is no shortage of marijuana in the state. Uh, there is a massive, massive, massive medical grow operation that, yeah. all over the place that they, that weed could get tested and put into. Yeah, uh, it's... It's just they haven't tracked it what they, from seed to stem, as they like to say here in the state. Um, let's talk about the edible thing, though, because I think this is the biggest screw-up by far. Not only is there um, a very successful med- uh, edible— uh, I've read conflicting reports on this. I- I'm interested to see what kind of clip you have for this. Uh, not only is there a very successful edible market today in Washington in the medical uh, uh, marijuana sales, like right. there's tons of uh, edibles there, but— uh, I think it, hands down, will be the number one revenue generator for any state that legalizes cannabis down the road. There are things to work out because it can be really tricky when you're new. It can be extremely challenging. So, And I, I've said it every day, like, you know, every time we talk about yeah. this on the show, this is, this is going to be what the problem is. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we do. Uh, okay, here's, here's a clip as to here's the one word, if you want a one word answer why we don't have edibles in Washington state. Here's the reason we're not having edibles. One word, Colorado. I mean, they basically legalized marijuana earlier than we did in January. And the biggest problems they have had are with edibles. People basically eating too much pot. Now, the- now we've covered this, all of the stories out of this, the two specifically that he's referring to. We've covered them extensively. And the thing that you have to realize is... I guess this is really the only kind of screw-up that's happened from Colorado legalizing cannabis. Is that they haven't regulated the edible side of it? Wow, you've just all bought in on the whole regulation thing. (laughs) Like, yeah, you have. Like, you are, which is so funny because you were the guy, when we talked about it last time on the show, that was like, personal responsibility. That guy shouldn't have done that and screwed around on the roof. What about personal responsibility? And now you're like, well, they don't regulate it enough. Like, you have been listening to a lot of radio or something that you have flipped like. No, that was sarcasm. No, I don't think it was was at all. Because, well, first off, if someone's, when they're they're buying pot at the store right now, the, the, the legal stuff. They know what's in there, right? They know the percentage of THC or whatever the case may be. Well, or whatever. Uh, okay, hold on. The, then the main that, that's what I was before was you go that about. far. Before you go that far, I, I, what I want, I think what we have to, I think what you have to establish here is, I think where you might be getting a little lost in the weeds is no there's there's no way to um, measure amount an amount of THC and cannabis that's in a piece of food. There's there's no real there's no because different types of THC and mounts have different effects. So what and the, the hell com- are they testing then? Exactly. Yeah. See so this is what so you, you you get lost in the well. They don't know how many ounces or how many the word they're calling is servings of THC and and ten milligrams of THC will will equal one serving. But the thing is is that what 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 ten ounces of THC will affect you one time will affect you completely different a different a different time if it's a different strain from a different plant it's it's a bogus metric and we're all getting hung up on talking about how much is in the edible but you can't measure it like that it See, doesn't I, it doesn't I thought, work like I that. thought the problem with edibles in the state in Washington State wasn't from that at all I thought it was uh, facilities not getting certified by the health department for for the food part that's what well, that's, i've read so no it's kind of a so that they aren't they they can't get they can't get the green light until the state's policies on how to do it are finalized oh, oh, see all right see, I didn't, yeah so that's the next that thing sense. and the way they're going to do it is they're going to say there's a serving size and like if a candy bar has more than a certain amount of thc then that candy bar has to be broken up so that there's only one serving of thc in each section of the candy Which, bar in my opinion that's stupid it, it doesn't make any sense <laughs> that, yeah and it's 
all it's all because of these stories about like that kid that like was on like a few different drugs and booze and then jumped off the roof and the other guy who shot his wife when when he was supposedly right. stoned. Yeah. Uh, so these two stories now have 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 like, become the big failure of the Colorado cannabis implementation. If you could say there is was one. Yeah. And so which I don't think it is. But I, I, I'm right just there. looking at this and I'm thinking, man, what if something else had gone wrong? Like what if yeah. – because the, these all seem bogus when we heard them. Like you remember that gal from the New York Times who like went on a pot tour and like way overdid it and oh, yeah. like even the tour guide said don't do that. Right. And then she went back and wrote up a story. Yeah. And that got traction for a little while until yeah. everybody came out and debunked it. So uh, – See, I thought – I honestly thought this was about a, a health care – not a health care, I'm sorry. Uh, a health uh, the uh, health certification from the state. I didn't know that it was because of these other situations that happened. Well, that these were sort of the catalyst that made everybody stop and go, "Oh, what?" and, and slow it down. And basically. Th- yeah, and now we're getting now we're getting hung up on how are you. So now that we've stopped it, right. so it was these situations that made us go, "Oh wait, Colorado had a bad thing here. We got to stop." Uh, and now we're like, well, "Okay, well now that we've stopped, how are we going to do it correctly?" And now we're trying to come up with like these bogus measurement oh, geez, systems. Okay. So it's one thing led to the other. Oh, thing. So I'll play All out right. the rest of the clip. You kind of see how like these two situations that we talked about in the show that turned out to be crap have kind of been the catalyst. Wow. Problem is, edibles tend to be more potent and they kick in later. I mean, sometimes it takes forty-five minutes, an hour to feel the effects. People don't really realize that, so they eat more and more and more, thinking they haven't had enough, and then bang, it hits them. They they have had problems. Well, that's where the personal responsibility suspected comes from. deaths related to this. Well, exactly, I mean, yeah, right? they, yeah. They, if you're, especially if you're trying it for the first time, you like he said, oh well, 35, 45 minutes, nothing's happening. I should eat more cake. Well, or <laughs> I, you know, I honestly made that mistake the first time I had tequila. I was like, oh, that's great. I had a few shots of tequila. Oh, same here. And like I was young, yeah. I didn't know any better, and then I got really Dude, drunk. For me, it was lemon drops. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it was not. For me, it's Jaeger at your house. It doesn't really matter. You could go. You could go too far. To this. Whoa! Hello. Hi there. Too much Jaeger. Yeah, way too much Jaeger. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. I guess I must have hit a button or something. Yeah. Oh, but did too much and probably committed suicide. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, oh man, we stepped well, on the why'd ending. What you cut that off? Oh well, no, because that. <laughs> Here's the reason. We're that not. was here. Let me play the end because the, the end is really is pretty fantastic. Okay. Uh, so here we'll let him. Uh, we'll let him finish it up. All right. Did too much. So yeah, he's talking about. So just to recap, since we interrupted, he's talking about the Colorado stuff. Thinking they haven't had enough, and then bang, it hits them. They have had problems. Two suspected deaths related to this. People that did too much and probably committed suicide. So this guy is our pot expert on the show, on our Fox affiliate, and he's talking about these Colorado cases. And he says, you know, they probably committed suicide. He has no idea what the situation how can was. He, how, how can he report that? Like and that? he talks about it like they wow. overdosed on on cannabis, like that's a thing you can do, and like all of that. So I thought that was pretty and, great. And by the way, he's the, he's the guy normally on Fox that does all the political interviews. Yeah. So for him to Miss go that? off on that, that wow, they probably committed suicide. How can you go to that? He's extreme? the guy talking about it. That is like, I know. Wow. And it also trivializes what actually did happen because one was a murder, and the other one was the guy who jumped off the roof. So, but he thought he could fly or something. I can't remember but what here, the whole... here's the one thing I, I still don't get, and I don't know why they're not talking to the, these other people. How long has medical marijuana been legal in this state alone, Washington State? Like at for, least 10 years? 15? I think, 15, I think since the 90s. Okay. We'll say 15 years to be safe. They've had edibles for how long? 
I probably the entire time. Well, here's the other thing: is edibles don't exist in a vacuum where you can only get it to the store. You just buy a bag of weed, you bring and it you, home, and you make it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so we haven't heard about these issues in the medical side of things for the past 15 years. Or and, dabbing, you know, with the oil. Oh, that's not new either. Oh, and we've seen that story. What once every two weeks? Yeah, where someone's doing. They're just bringing it all up now. It's interesting, right? Fear, 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 fear. Uh, so you know, we need to shake it all off and get some happy people celebrating. Como goes man on the street style. Oh yeah. Whoa. Kale Holdsworth, a guy visiting western Washington with his girlfriend from Kansas, becomes the first in the state to buy recreational marijuana. I didn't expect to be the poster child of this, uh, you know, step, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be here and glad to support it, you know, in whatever way I can. They got in line more than four hours before the store opened. I really felt like I am being a part of history. Buyers today came for that claim to fame. The line stretched into the hundreds, security officers standing by for crowd control. Then one by one, each buyer walked out brown paper bag in hand. Absolutely, I feel like we're history. Owner Tom Beckley tells me they've built relationships with four growers so they could be fully stocked on opening day. You know, I had a call from Texas yesterday, so... And they were like, uh, can you deliver? No. And they go, well, that means we have to fly up there. Carl Foley yes. tells me he drove all the way up from Whidbey Island. Ooh. You know, it's been illegal, so never used it. So figured, give me some of that, give me some of that, give me some of that. And in this cash-only business, <laughs> Foley forked over $106.50. A chunk of that goes right to the tax man. Hey, oh. Hey, Chase, what do you always say? Show me the money! Here's, here's one thing, Chris. I, uh... I just recently took uh, a drug screen. Yeah. I, I did a background check for a new company that I start for. Oh, Monday. I heard about that. You yeah. did, got a new job. I did. Yeah. Here's the one thing that is such a weird thing for me. And, you know, I was looking at this in, in a weird perspective. If I were to, say, do pot two weeks ago, okay, that would be in my system probably today, depending on the frequency, There's whatever. A chance, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. If I had a drunken stupor two days ago, It'd be out of my system. Right. If I did cocaine or some sort of hard drug, right. that would yep. be out of my system. Yep, yep. Yet countless people are being disqualified, especially in our state, because yeah. companies, yeah. you know, so all these people that say, you know, I'm, I'm, man, if, if I'm an employer and I spot them on the news, is that, is that possible discrimination? Mm. Like, gosh, I mean, there's this whole other angle here. Yeah. That I is think, crazy to think about. I think a lot of places in Washington are uh, giving medical exceptions to the cannabis screening. So if you fail the cannabis screening but can provide medical uh, documentation. Okay. So that means if you medically need it, there might be a path. And if you recreationally want it, then if you want a job more. Like, I know, like, then for just example, don't take it for the, a while. the state of Washington, the state troopers, I think they're they're allowing, like, w- one use within the past five years or something. And then you have... But there's no way to prove that right. one. Right. Except uh, for NSA data. <laughs> <laughs> all, oh. the, all, all the pictures. All the scan right. pictures. Yeah. The, w- they had the Seattle City attorney, Pete Holmes, yeah. buy pot. Yeah. What kind of precedent does that set when you have the city attorney and then, let's say, a, an employee maybe t- pops positive? Have you noticed, though, that, like, down in Seattle, like, you can just be walking and there'll be people smoking? Smoking pot? Yeah, sure. Like I, I, I have friends that do it in the in pinball circles and mini circles. It's uh, it, so it seems to be in a certain circle, it really is not a big deal at all, and in other circles, it's a really big deal still. Uh, and uh, did you know that this one of the ways the state is sort of managing all of this, and hence perhaps some of the delay mm-hmm. ca- causes some of the delays? They have like a big master software program. 
Oh, I didn't. I here's a little. Here's just a little bit about that. And here at Top Shelf Cannabis, they're using a special software program to track it all. In all seriousness, uh, tracking marijuana is not like tracking apples or any or some other agricultural goods. Um, it's very complex. Pot is taxed at every stage of the game. The state's excise tax, at a rate of 25 percent, is expected oh. to generate up to two billion dollars in the first five years. 25 percent is a big deal. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so every seed, literally every seed to every plant is tracked and scanned along the way. Now, uh, there is some indications that this software system may have been causing some delays. We go back to Brooke on CNN. She was talking to one of the guys who was supposed to be opening a store, uh, but he had some extra time on his hands. So instead, he jumped on Skype with Brooke. A little more work for you. You're one of the 24. It's the big day today, though it's sort of anticlimactic to you. I hear you're, you're having some software glitches, so, so your your doors are not exactly open yet? Yeah, that, that's it exactly. You know, we, we really had high hopes of being able to open this morning with our product. Uh, however, uh, the state has a, a new software system uh, out uh, so that they can track this marijuana you know, literally from seed to sale. Uh, we just had issues with being able to get access into that software system. And uh, our supplier uh, also was, was having a tough time uh, posting to, to the web to the web browser or to the page. Okay, so maybe just a, a hiccup for you. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, no good, no good. So the, uh, the store couldn't open and the supplier couldn't do his supplier thing. And that's just an indication of perhaps some additional challenges we're not hearing a lot about. I, it's they're it's, running XP, right? It's funny. Um, here, let's play this. We'll we'll wrap up this segment with this clip from CBS. They kind of cover the the you know the volume that Seattle store, the one that everybody's been talking about. Yeah. What they what kind of traffic they saw. And then let's talk about this. Good morning. At the final tally, more than 900 people made their way into this store yesterday, and throughout the day, the shop kept up a pace of 100 sales an hour. So 900 people on the first day. Wow. Really? I was expecting I 900 not. people. Well, I guess that means 900 people in line. Yeah. I don't know. To me, that seems low. I don't know why. I, I, I think. 900 for one store? Well, like all these stores talk about, yeah, we had a few hundred people in line. I think, the, I think they overplayed the uh, not enough inventory thing and people avoided coming people out People got the scared. I didn't bother going out. I, was, I thought about going out, check it out, just get some clips. And I was my, like, my, eh. my, my wife wanted to go. Yeah. She really wanted to go and be a part of it, but, but we, we were all afraid, like, yeah. Is it going to be out? I mean, so it's like, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I just The other part, it's downtown Seattle. The other thing is, is like when Colorado did it, uh, all of their stores opened. We just had a few stores, so it wasn't like this huge thing. It was like, it's like this, instead of a big bang, it's kind of like this little tiny spark of a, of a start. Right. It's time to free the weed. <laughs> At 12 o'clock Tuesday, dubbed High Noon, Cannabis City's owner cut police tape to symbolically mark the legal sale of recreational pot for the first time. 65-year-old Deborah Green, who waited in line for nearly 24 hours, was their first customer. It's my gosh. Who'd have thought? It used to be, hey, I got some good bud here. 20 bucks. You want it? Yeah. You don't know what you're getting. Cannabis City is just one of four retail stores in the state currently open for business. More than 300 retail licenses are set to be issued. The holdup? Washington State's medical marijuana dispensaries are unregulated. So while Colorado was able to transition medical marijuana to recreational earlier this year, Washington had to make a fresh start, and less than a tenth of approved growers were ready to harvest in time. 
Short supply and high taxes pushed prices to double the street value. Actually, I think right now they're saying it triple. Triple street? Yeah. Wow. Uh, and that's the other thing, too, by the way. A lot of people who voted for this probably already smoke it, already have it. Why would they need to go? Well, and you think about this, too. It's like, uh, in some ways, doesn't it almost reduce the risk of buying pot on the black market now that it's just generally available? Like, yeah. if you get stopped with pot, you can just say you bought it from a store. And, like, if you get busted no, Chris, for it, they're going to ask for a receipt, Chris. Yeah, I mean, so I, almost, I could almost see the psychology of it now that the stores are open. People are actually more comfortable buying it illegally, potentially. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, that's again, I feel like this is definitely the part where we've screwed up this part and the edibles part. And then it sounds like there's also the software part. We're all None of this stuff we heard coming out of Colorado. Everybody, I need you up and moving back. Still, hundreds of people lined the block of Seattle's only approved retailer. And while many outside Cannabis City celebrated, others took issue with the drug now being readily and legally available. Courtney Pop is a special deputy with the Washington State Patrol. She also has very nice shoulder pads. We're going to see a lot of people entering the marketplace who maybe wouldn't have before. Ever since the legalization passed, every park you go to, every large public event, there are people openly smoking marijuana. But Green thinks the presence of pot will diminish abuse of the drug. It's in a form that we can at least start to manage and maybe take some of the scariness away from the other people who don't really know about it. That, I think, right there, I, I, I think that's, that's the, a huge, huge comment. Yeah, I think that's really big. Is I think I think that's a big part of what she what it's it's all it's a little demeaning almost saying like if you don't if you know if you have a problem with it, you're just scared of it. But in a lot of ways, I, God, I don't mean to keep harping on this, but I go back to the damn edibles. It's not a plant that you burn. It's not something that you you know you you know it's not something that makes smoke. And an edible, it can it can be a candy, it can be a soda, it can be a, a cookie, it can be something you put yeah. in Alfredo sauce. Yeah. So it's much more approachable. It's much less scary. Um, and I, I, that's why I think it's a little unfortunate again. Abuse of the drug. It's in a form that we can at least start to manage and maybe take some of the scariness away from the other people who don't really know about it. But the sales don't come without restrictions. People are banned from smoking in public. Pot retailers can't be within a thousand feet of a school and customers can only buy up to 28 grams at a time. Gail. All right, Adriana, thank you. Thank you, Adriana. But, you know, when the troopers spoke uh, talking about how, oh, well, it's only going to increase the exposure, you could have said the same thing about alcohol. You could say the oh, yeah. same thing about prescription medication. Sure. You could say the same thing about any of that stuff, cigarettes, yep. you name it. Yep. So for to, for her to come down on marijuana in that respect, come on, please. Uh, I, I meant to get to this last week, but since you weren't here, I you, you didn't uh, stop me. And so I made a, I made a tragic error. Uh, but we do have some feedback. Um, I do. I have that. Do you want to read those? Yeah, we got a couple of uh, great notes here. First one came in from Nick H. Uh, talking about marijuana and cannabis use under the age of 21. Well, that's long. If you want to paraphrase, you can. I didn't well, it's realize. only addressed to you. I guess I'm not part of the show. Oh! <gasps> uh, hey, Chris, I wanted to give a quick response to a comment you made on Unfilter 103 about underage marijuana and cannabis use. I should mention, too, before my response is colored differently than it sh- could be, uh, that I am pro-legalizing, and I think weed is perfectly fine drug compared to most of its contemporaries, especially alcohol. And heck, the literature really supports me in those views to boot. Um, he goes on to say, a couple of things to clear up are that 21 is not a magical age, and that development is not the same thing as learning. 21 has been chosen because it's the age of majority in the United States, and what matters is that the brain has fully developed. Uh, secondly, developed... Uh, development is not the same as learning, as it seems you believe when you said after 21 you can't teach an old dog new tricks to smoke all the weed you like. I was just joking. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, fair enough. Uh, before adulthood, some fascinating things happen in the brain. He, so he basically goes on to talk about I, yeah, the whole development. Yeah, he's talking about how how there is a. I was equating development and learning. Well, you which look is, at, you look I was at the, really not actually being very serious about that, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Uh, and and I think what I was trying to drive out with the whole twenty one thing is, is like, is it really twenty one, or is that just something we've all kind of landed on? But then again, he sort of also addresses that by saying it's just the age of majority too. And if that's what society has decided, that's fine. Well, the thing is. In in Who Canada, am I, Canada's nineteen yeah. for for alcohol. Here's right. twenty one. And some places are sixteen. And, and the it's... weird thing here is, oh yeah, you can't have alcohol, but you can legally go to war and die. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, there's I, that. that's that whole argument. Yeah. Uh, we got another message, very short one for you. All right. This came from someone out there in the internets. Hi, do you still check your BitMessage account, or is there another secure way of communicating? Please reference this in the show. So I if I set up a new BitMessage address if you want to send something there, but I don't check it very often. Yeah, I, um, I have it on the screen, by the way. Oh, do you? There yeah. you go. There yeah. you go. Uh, uh, that is, and there, that is my. Lay it down uh, quick, you guys. That is my uh, PGP key right there. If you want to send it directly to me, I'm also trying out uh, Keybase. So I've got the P, I've got the GPG key in the show notes, and I've got a link to my Keybase profile. Guess what? What? I got one too. Yeah, and so I'm trying this out. So you're on there too. You should put a link in the show notes. To your I, I already added it. Okay. So your keybase.io slash Chris Les. Yep. I I went slash Chase. Sorry. Ooh, you got slash Chase. Nice, yeah. dude. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I probably should have tried that, but I just decided to go. I wanted to make it like, yeah, this is. I want to make sure everybody knew it was me. Yeah. And I verified. I tried to go through and do all the verification stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. So uh, if you want to send us an encrypted message, you can use that. That's a system that I'm trying to get a feel for, so that way I can see if Same I can here. recommend it to humans, and uh, as a way for them to use encryption. But if you just refuse to use that, my GPG key. That you can send emails to Chris at JupiterBroadcasting dot com is also in the show notes. Yeah, we'll have that available. If you grab the uh, if on that uh, Plex, uh, Slexi doc there, uh-huh. there is a view raw paste option right there, and then you don't have to have all of like the line stuff and what are oh. Well, I thought that's what the view raw does, but I guess it's not working. It's not opening it up. Well, no, it no, whatever. But there is a way to view. Ah, There's a, there is like a way to get it so you don't have the yeah. numbers and stuff. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, all right, there you go. So uh, if you want to email us, go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com. Click the contact link. Huh? Eh, right, eh, contact I, link. I get it. Yeah, and then choose it. unfilter from the dropdown. Yeah, fair enough. Boom. And guess what? Then that connects you to the people that you need to talk to, which is Chase and I. Now, there's a w- another way that people can send messages into the show. You know, no. They can not only send messages, but they can send in articles. They can even participate in stories. And that is the Unfiltered subreddit. You're joshing me. No, it's true. Unfiltered.reddit.com, uh, where we have 1,367 of you who have jumped in and being a part of an awesome community of people who care about what's going on in our world. Good stories in there. I pulled a few from uh, this week in there. And uh, it's always like a great way to give us an idea of what you guys want to see, either through your votes, through your comments, or your submissions. Yeah, a lot of great hot stuff right now. Uh, One of the hot stories is the North Carolina GOP wants to jail anyone who discloses freaking or fracking chemicals. Oh. Hmm. That fracking is that oil process. Yeah, that should go over smooth. I don't (laughs) don't think anybody have a problem with that. No. Hey, uh, Chase, if people wanted to communicate with uh, you or myself, maybe let's just say, I'm going to estimate 140 characters or less. How would they do that? Well, they can follow you on Twitter, Chris. At Chris L-A-S. This um, is where you let everybody know, hey, we're going live for a show. By the way, I see you just surpassed 7,000 followers. Yay, yay. Twitter.com slash Chris L-A-S. Become like uh, 704 or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, you can see when I'm live and uh, when we have uh, releases and events and changes. And uh, if we go I to events, Linux all that Unplugged kind of stuff. Logo. Yeah, I think that's awesome? so cool. Yeah. I love it. Oh, what about you, Mr. Chase? Are you on the Twitters? I am on the Twitters. I give people three additional 
characters. You're so generous. I know. At Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. And I'm at a nice even number of followers. 5,200. Uh, what if I got like this Minecraft itch right now, Chase? You I know, we, I, I spotted the Jake Tapper Minecraft mug. You did. Quickly. That was uh, in the supporter show. Yeah, though. that's right. Geekgamer.tv is where you can find all my fun comment. By the way, if you're watching this live right now, I'm doing a show in about an hour. So Boom. come on over and check it out. Geekgamer.tv. What? And don't forget, you can watch us live on Thursday or Wednesday. Wednesdays. Jeez, that's a long time ago. I know. Or jblive.tv. That's right. And we'd love to have you join us. Yeah, we do the show. We started off about 6 p.m. Pacific time, and we uh, strap you in for a big ride. It's yeah, show up early. Check out the pre-show and all yeah. that good stuff. All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Unfilter. We'll see you right back here next, next week. week.